Amen. What my dad said was the new campus of Maybank. I was, I was so, I was reflecting, and God was hitting me. He said, you know what? You came from a trailer to a nice church, moved you back to another church and another one. But he said, you know what? But when he, but when he told me, he said, but look at the vision. He said, look how many people are growing with the vision. He said, no matter what, there's always somebody there beside you that wants to do what your parents do. He said, there are people out there that don't want to quit and give in when the towel is handed to them. When the seas get rough, he said, you know what, there are those people out there that want to keep the vision going. And you know what, I, I can't say that I've always been perfect. There's been times that I've wanted to quit because sometimes it gets tough and ministry's not a cakewalk. I wish God would have told us that because real quick I'd have been able to pray faster, right? But the problem was is when I looked, God was like, you know what? You have to refresh the vision. And he said what that means is that, you know, you, all, you have to get a new pair of eyeballs. He said, no, you have to love what you first loved. He said, the vision that your father has and the vision that I've instilled in your parents is the vision that you need to carry out too. He said, but you started to stop loving that because it got too tough. It got too hard. But see, amen, the scripture is 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 69. Brady, if you can put that up here. Amen. I'll just read amen. The word of the Lord reads, for this reason I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given a spirit of timidity, but of power, love, and discipline. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner. But join me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us all and called us with a holy calling, not according to our own works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which he had granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. See, refreshing the vision. See, when we go through certain seasons in our lives, when we come out, sometimes we feel like we've lost the fire, like we've lost the vision. See, the fire is not lost, but it's waiting on you to draw back into it. It's waiting on the vision to go further. See, sometimes we, we think that the fire is getting quenched, and we're like, man, we're just pouring, we're pouring, and we're pouring. And then we feel like when the season's over, we just start to dislike what we first loved. See, if we look at where do we fit in this world, it's not going to work because I've tried and it doesn't work. You can't just say, where do I fit to help? It doesn't work because when you put where do I, it's, it's, the, it's the flesh. It can't work because when you say I, you take God out of it. God says, I don't want you to be called to what you think you are. I'm going to call you to how I see you and how I feel like using you. See, but instead we need to look where God can use me. See, David knew this because he became, how he, when he was becoming a king, see, Saul anointed him. And the problem, and David knew that even though he was anointed the new king of Israel, he knew that God still wanted him to serve. And that's, the, and that's the thing about David, and that's why I'm like a huge admirer of David, is because David, even though he was still the next king in line to take over, he never forgot he was still the shepherd. He never forgot who he was. He never forgot 
what he was called to do. See, David, when he first, right, if you, if you follow the storyline of David, David goes from being the shepherd to the soldier, right? Killed Goliath, made him a name. But then he returns after the battles to the sheep. He returns back to his father's house. Why? Because that was he, that's where he was called to be at that time in his life. See, and then he was, became the musician for Saul. See, even though David had the right to be called him king, he still chose to run with the vision God had. He didn't try to jump the vision. He didn't try to run out of the vision. He didn't try to push forward himself. He said, you know what, let it be done on your time. See, in Victory Life, in our lives, we need to refresh the vision God has put in us. We need to refresh. We need to turn back to what God showed us. See, as a church, we need God more than ever. We need to get into overdrive. See, in, in overdrive, man, we just need to go push. We need to push. We need to, like my dad said, right, we need to, we're fasting, we're praying, and see already the benefits of what's coming out. I went out with my parents and a few of the ladies to clean the church. Man, let me tell you something. There is nothing greater when you see God's work for your hardship. The fasting, the praying, it's all meaning something. It's not just in vain. The vision is still alive. The vision is each and in each and one of us. But sometimes we just have to refresh and take another at look at the aspect of the vision. See, as a church, we need to ask how we can help further the vision that God gave the pastors. See, which is to see this world change, it's the vision of the churches to give hope to the hopeless, and it's to ignite a fire that will spread this world in a blaze. That's the vision of Victory Life Church and Ministry. It's to set this whole world ablaze for Jesus. That is the main purpose. That is the main purpose, church. See, if we do, if we can at least get one thing right, let it be setting the whole world on fire for Jesus. That's it. That's all we need. That's all we need to do. And see, the one thing I remembered is about vision is that vision is great and God can give you the vision. There's things that, there's just one thing, actually there's two things. I don't know exactly what I do to drive one, but the first thing I've always thought about about vision is you need a passion for the vision. If you don't have a passion, the visions won't succeed. The passion is what drives you. It's what you get you up every morning, getting ready to sell the banana bread. It's the first thing you always get here at 6 o'clock in the morning at the church, ready to sweep it, ready to clean it, ready to wipe down anything the pastor asks you to do. This is why it's the vision. It's because it's a passion. And it's the passion that makes us strive for the accuracy that God calls us to be, that God wants you to be. See, the first point is, it's return to the passion. Right? To refresh the vision, you need to return to the passion. Because, see, we can, see, and if you don't know this by now, in the church, right, the real passion is Jesus. That's our passion. That should be your only passion in this life. It's to serve Jesus. It's to make sure whatever Jesus says you do, that's what Jesus said. Right, Jesus said, go, therefore, and make all disciples in the way. 
baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Right, but who was the first passion? It was Jesus. Jesus showed passion to a wretch like me. He showed passion just to everybody. And Jesus is passion, so we need to go back to where the passion started. See, the, I got this from uh, Mr. Webster out of the dictionary. Passion is a strong feeling or of enthusiasm or excitement for something or about doing something. That's passion, excitement. I mean, I love getting here at church. I, even like my dad said, I'll come up here in a boot and I was ready to pre preach. Right? I'll, I'll scrub a toilet if I have to for Jesus. Right? How many of us will do that in a boot? Right? You injure yourself. Right? Basketball incident and all. See, but we have to go back to where we met God. If we look back at David, just because he's now the anointed next king, David always returned back to his sheep. He returned back to his father's sheep. And because of his sheep, he had to do his job. And he knew, David knew that he could not fulfill his love of being king without first fulfilling and going back to his true passion. You can't tell me David didn't have a passion for being out there in the sheep field, watching a bunch of sheep all day. He had to be excited about it, or he would just be like, you know what, why don't we just send our servants back to the field? Didn't I just get anointed the next king? Then why am I still doing this? No, I believe it was because David had a passion for protection. David had a passion that never could get quenched because he got this title, just because he got it recognized. It wasn't none of that. It was because he loved doing what he loved doing. See, it was just his job. He was, just, he was just, it was his drive. It was what he was doing. It was just being obedient to what his fathers asked. So when Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers, and from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Then, Samuel, then Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, send me your son David, who is with the sheep. That's in 1 Samuel 16 and 13. And 19. You just right there in that scripture, it just showed that David was being there, being anointed, the next king of Israel, being being trained up, ready to go take Jesus, about to take all of Israel, amen, further in this, make them prosperous. But then you look at, and then in verse 19, you see what? You see Saul, the, the first king, saying, send me your son, David, who is it still with your sheep. It was David's passion, right? And just like us, we need to go back to where our passion lies. See, later in the scriptures, David is still serving his father and obeying God. David never lost the heart of God. It was to follow orders. He said, obedience is better than sacrifice. And David did it with a passion. He said, obedience, is that what you want? Then I'll give you my full heart of obedience. See, it's the same thing. I was once told that if you don't care anymore about anything, then you'll not want anything to do with it. It's the same thing in ministry. It's the same thing. Why, why all of a sudden, you know, you go back to the children's church, you want to go teach the youth, or you want to learn the soundboard, you want to do all these things in the church. And then you do them for like over and over and every year you do the same thing. And then you're like, you know what, I hate it. You just get, you, in your mind you're like, I hate this. It's not enjoyable no more. You just hate it. 
hated you. Like, I quit. And in my ear and your wife, like, I'll start. And, like, you go to the pastor. I'll start you, pastor. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it, pastor. In your mind, you're like, man, huh? I hate this job. You're like, I don't, don't want to get stuck in the soundboard no more. I don't want to run no camera. Right? I don't want to go back to them kids. Them, them kids are nuts, pastor. You seen them kids? Oh, Lord. Them babies are bad. Right, all jokes aside, but why is it like when we first start off, it's always we have the drive and the passion to do it for with all our heart. But at, at the end, when it meets when the rubber meets the road, somehow we just quit. We're like, eh, the passion's gone. But God says, no, light your heart ablaze. Light the heart ablaze and catch your spiritual gift. You have a gift with kids. Yeah, it gets tough. I have four siblings. Yes, we know. Kids are rough around the edges. Right? Oh, God. But see, the thing about it is, is that it's the passion that drives you. It's the passion that fulfills you. It's the passion that gets you to get up every morning and say, thank you, Jesus. Let's go serve. Let's go work. Let's go do this. Let's go reach somebody for the kingdom of God. See, it's the passion that's supposed to drive you in this life. So to refresh the vision that God has for you, first you need to return to the passion. Sometimes that's the first thing that goes. You ever watch our lives, you know, the first thing, you know, you're used to loving football or whatever you used to love, and now you notice, I hate it. Why? It's because you've lost the passion for it. You can tell me you love photography, you love work and sound, but as soon as you do it over and over and you see no benefit to you, the passion leaves. That's the first thing that leaves is your passion. Really, that should be the last thing that leaves because your passion is what God's instilled in you. See, if we do not refresh the passion, then we will lose the vision. If we don't refresh the passion, then we will lose the vision. Go to number two. Number two is sustain the passion. Sustaining, keeping, maintaining the passion. See, here's the place where people start getting annoyed, start losing the enjoyment of what they're passionate about. Right, for me, it's photography and how I love to do it. I love to take pictures. I love just to go around and look at everything and through a different lens. Right, I change it from a wide angle to a, to a close-up shot. I love seeing that because it gives me a different perspective. But if I don't keep and maintain that passion, I start letting go of it. And see, it's the same thing with the vision of God. If we don't keep mending it, if we don't keep sustaining the fire, we lose it. See, the same thing applies to this ministry. If you're good with children, but you say someone else is better, sure, they may be better in an area. But God made you for this. But God made you, so if you, if you have the anointing, if you have the gift, but you say somebody's better than you. But God gave you the gift. So who, what, why are you judging yourself compared to God? Because God says, what? I see you as priceless. 
See, God gave you the anointing not so that you could hide it, so you can cower with it, so you can just do it once in a while, but you can do it for eternity, for you, so you can do it forever. See, God didn't choose the highly educated people to do his work. He picked those who were just fishers. He took those who were unqualified and made them qualified. He can take a church that, that amen, works with the drug addicts and make them, amen, into a church that reaches just anybody that's hurting. That's the vision. That's the vision of Jesus. You know, Jesus said, look, I didn't come for the healthy. I didn't come for the good and well. I came for those who are sick and in need. I came for those who are broken, who need a healer, who need a teacher. He's like, I didn't come so that the passion can be lost, but I can give somebody a hope and a passion. Amen. So why do we let our passion start to deteriorate when we start losing the enjoyment of what we're doing? Because if you lose the enjoyment, what else do you have? See, but I just say that it is sometimes that the love from the people that care about you will not always go with what you want to hear, and that's perfectly okay. And I heard, and I was reading this quote from a thing that says, when God gives you a no for an answer, keep in mind that there is a much greater yes behind it. His no is not a rejection, but a redirection. He said it's not a rejection, but sometimes it's a redirection. Right, not all the times, yes, you may lose a passion at one point, but that doesn't mean that God doesn't get that, 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 that God did not give you another gift out there. Right, just because you lose one passion doesn't mean you ha don't have another passion. Just because you don't have another calling, right, just because, you know, you're like, I want, I'm called to be a preacher. And then you find, come to find out preaching is hard because, you know, your, your character has to be upheld and everything else that goes with being a pastor. Right? Or a music leader or the sound. Or just because there's a different, you know, just because now you realize the true price to pay, you're like, oh, that's not for me. That's not what I want. That's not my passion no more. I don't see myself doing it. But it doesn't mean God didn't give you another gift to do. See, God, Paul told Timothy, he said, look, I need you, son. He says, this is why I remind you to fan into the flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. He said, I need you to keep it aflame. He said, don't let it die. He said, keep it aflame. He said, keep fanning the spiritual gift. Everybody in here has got a spiritual gift. We all have a vision God has for each and every single one of us. But sometimes we let the flame go out. Or we start letting it dwindle too long because we think, that we can keep it going with just a small little flicker. And God says, hey, look, I'm going to put this in you so you can turn it ablaze. Sometimes we tell God, no, I like to keep it hidden. I want to keep my gift, God, from right here so nobody knows about it. So that when, I really, when I'm really called to do something, God, I just, that, that just makes me look like I'm an outcast and I'm a stranger. I don't want to be that person, God. God, don't let my, don't, let, don't, don't show me that vision, God. I don't want to be the person who you made me to be. Don't show me the vision, God, that you just, that you had for my life since the day I was born in my mother's womb. 
have to sustain your passion. You have to put fire on. You have to surround yourself with people that want you to build. They don't want you to sit there and dwindle and looking, right? I think it's in Proverbs, amen. It says that a man who starts building but doesn't have enough funds, right, people will start passing him by and looking at him foolish. It's the same thing with vision. God's giving you a vision. He's asking you to build on He's asking you to build on a rock. But sometimes we just sit there and look like, well, we're like Scooby-Doo. I didn't know she ate me. Right, that's what I get for staying around Abby. I watch Scooby-Doo all day long. Right? But see, the thing is, is that why do we always do that? Why do we, why do, we do that sometimes to our passion? Right, we have a passion to do this. We have a passion to do that. But when rubber meets the, hit the, when rubber meets the road, we're like, uh, she ate me. What was I supposed to do again? Thank you. Right? But your passion needs to be stirred by yourself. He says, Paul didn't say, here, Timothy, I'm going to fan your flame for you. He said, no, I need you to keep it ablaze. He said, I'm not going to baby you for all your days. He said, it's time for you to step up and keep your own passion going. Right? He's like, look, you're in charge, but I need you. I need you to step up and be the man of God or the woman of God that you need to be and start fanning your own flame. I can't always come over here and every five minutes and give you a good word of encouragement to keep you going. You need to do it yourself, Timothy. Because I'm relying on you to help further the kingdom of God. That's what Timothy was. He was a spiritual son to Paul. But Paul said, look, I cannot always encourage you with these letters. I need you to keep it ablaze yourself. You need to do it yourself. Stop trying to make me spoon feed you. Stop making me try to give you something. Find it. Flame it. Find it and make it set a fire on it, son. Stop trying to play like this baby game with me. I just don't have time for that. <coughs> Number three, fight for your passion. Number three is fight for your passion. See, fighting for your passion is what will keep you on the path to your destiny. Just like Paul told Timothy to kindle the gift that he received. What gift did God give you to help you kindle? What, God, what did God give you? What gift did God give you to help the kingdom of God advance? See, why does it take the pastors to get us motivated to do the things of God? Why does it take the pastors to always make sure there's food for these people? Why is it always the pastors that got to make? I mean, I'm, I'm, don't get me wrong. The pastors are the sh protectors of the house, and they'll do what they got to do. But why is it that when we have the gifts and the abilities to do it, why do we always throw it on our shepherd? Because, you know, like I just said, Paul told Timothy. He didn't say, I'll keep on feeding you. He said, Timothy, set your heart and fan it and put it ablaze. He didn't tell, hey, he's like, hey, I'm going to be Paul. I'm going to come back over there. I'm going to Paul spoon feed you. I'll, 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 every day, I got you. Here you go. Here, here you go. Let me just get the Gerber out and just start feeding you for you. Oh, Lord. Right? But why does it take the pastors of the house to get us motivated for the things of God? Why is it always that they always have to come up and say, hey, guys, we need, you know, guests. We need uh, people to bring, you know. We need people to go be evangelized. When it should really be, everybody should be like, look, if I'm called to do it, 
then why don't I do it, God? Because really you're not offending the pastors. You're not hurting them by doing nothing. You're hurting your own destiny. Because it really should be your passion that makes you want to serve. It should be your passion that makes you want to get up out of bed and say, let's go. I know what time it is. I know we got to go feed the homeless at 7 o'clock in the morning. Let's go. I know we got to go speak about this Maybay church. Let's go. I know we got to go reach somebody for Jesus. Let's go. I know we got to get up early in the morning just to hear the pastor start praying for us. But let's go. See, this is, see, I'm Joseph, this is, this is where God got me. He said, you know what, Joseph forgot his passion. He said, I showed him the vision. I showed him what he was going to do. I showed him how great he was going to be, but he forgot his passion. He said he forgot who he was. He said, you know what, but when I put him, when I was reading, he said, you know what, I put him in jail. And then he remembered his passion. And it was only then when he remembered his passion that he started to change. He started to fight again. Right? Moses could have died in the desert and said, you know, I'm going to leave the life that I've chosen. I'm going to leave the nomadic life. I'm going to not even worry about the Israelites I once cared about. Right? We look at all the people in the Bible from the old to the new, and every single one of them fought for their passion. The disciples died for their passion. Paul died for his passion. Peter died for his passion. All the disciples died for their passion. Their passion is to let the world know that there's another way. That there's another way to the Father. That there's another chance in life. That there's another hope. See, but we need a light the passion inside of us ablaze. As a church, we need to set our hearts as a burning heart, as on a burning vision that provides the hope to the hopeless and the restoration to the broken. And we need to start letting our hearts be set ablaze by our passions. We need to stop letting the heart get tired and weary. We need to let the hearts be set ablaze by the passion. See, Timothy, Timothy learned his lesson. Timothy did what his spiritual father asked. And Timothy, Timothy succeeded in what he was supposed to do. And man, it's just like us in the church. And man, God's got us all one vision. He's got us all on little separate visions, but he's got us on one main vision. That's to tell people about Jesus Christ. Doesn't matter how you do it. Doesn't matter where you're at in the church. Doesn't matter your position, how high you are, how low you are. Doesn't matter your income. Doesn't matter what race, color. Doesn't matter. He says, but I want you to carry the passion. He says, because without vision, people perish. So what happens when we lose the passion? What happens when we lose our fight, when we lose our sustaining, when we lose all of that? What happens when we lose the passion? We lose the vision. And if we lose the vision, we perish. It's not us. We know what the true one is. We know the word. We know it. But I'm going to add a little 
insight for a second. It's not us that perish. It's the people we could have told that perish. We have all the passion. We have all the vision in the world. But without the passion and without the vision of going forward, the men perish. The unsaved perish because we don't care. We don't have the passion for it. Jesus never gave in on his passion. Just look at our own lives sometimes. It's a miracle where he took us from. When he took us, he said he'll take us from glory to glory. But sometimes we need to fight for the passion. Because I can't fight for your passion. I can encourage you to fight for it. But like Paul, you have to make your own decision. Paul had to tell Timothy, you have to make your decision right now. He said either you fight for your passion and your vision with the vision that God gave us. Or you can just let your fire burn out. Like Leah, just smoke it out. Amen. So tonight, amen, the worship team can come forward. So tonight, are you ready to refresh the vision that God has for you, for your family and this church? Are you ready to refresh the vision in your own life, the passion you once lost? the passion that you so desired at one point in your life. Amen. So tonight, I just want to ask you, you know, where's your passion at? Where's your passion? Where's your passion? Is your passion back where it needs to be? Is your passion right on where on target? Is your passion dwindling? Where's, where's your passion? vision, where does that leave this world? Where does it leave this world? It leads to dying, it leads to hurt, it leads to broken. But yet we have the power to change it. But we need to refresh our vision and our focus back on what God called us to do. But see, the question is tonight, where are you in your passion? Are you fulfilling what God's calling you to do? Are you doing all you can for God? Are you just giving in some of your passion? Sometimes the passion isn't always easy to follow through with. But it's well worth it in the end. Because if you don't have a passion for seeing souls changed, if you don't have a passion for seeing people radically changed, then you don't experience what God has for you. Amen. So tonight, I, I want to challenge your heart. Search deep inside. Where's the passion that you once had for God? Where's the passion you once so desired when you first got saved? Where's the passion of a, uh, of a strong God? Where's the passion of the man or woman of God? Where is the passion that once called you out of darkness? Where is that passion, saints? Where is the passion? So tonight, I want to, if you want to, you can come to this altar. But amen, I want to challenge you to find where is your passion? 
You need to fight for your passion. You need to sustain your passion. And you need to find your passion. Find your passion. Search your heart, saints. Find where you just, just find your passion. Where does it belong? Amen. Amen. I challenge your heart tonight to let the passion burn again. Set your passion on fire for God. Set your passion back like Timothy did. Father, we thank you.